Hello everybody, this is the year of underrated Stephen King, and I am Kim C, a university fiction teacher and literary podcast hostess with the mostest, bringing you the scholastic unpacking of Stephen King's underrated works, one novel at a time. Hello everyone out there listening and welcome to episode 55, which when this post will officially celebrate one entire year of this podcast in action. So as of, I believe, pretty sure the 17th of April, this podcast, The Year of Underrated Stephen King, will have made one full trip around the sun, and we definitely want to celebrate that by giving ourselves a pat on the back and perhaps popping some champagne because it's Kim C's favorite beverage. But we are going to toast over 50 episodes of Underrated King coverage as well as talk about what's next for the upcoming year of the podcast and how you can influence the upcoming content. But yes, we must take a minute to pause on the number 55. I have an aunt who, when she turned 55, just kept calling it double nickels. And she she just, for whatever reason, was a really big fan of saying, I'm double nickels, I'm double nickels, on her 55th birthday. And I thought it was precious. And it stuck enough to be her nickname and an easy way to find her when we were in a crowded casino. So I definitely had a moment where I shouted double nickels from across the room and she looked up. So in honor of my beloved aunt, we're double nickels today, but five is my favorite number and double fives. Well, you definitely can't beat that for good luck in the uh, good luck department. So today we're taking a look at what we've accomplished so far in a year we'll uh kind of look back over our shoulder at the road we traveled um we will also investigate if perhaps a bit of recalibration is in order um was it socrates or plato that says the unexamined life isn't worth living uh shame on me for not knowing which philosopher that is but uh yeah we're gonna do a little reflection um a little introspection on you know where we've been where we're going all that stuff um and we would love to hear from you guys we'd love to get some listener introspection as well um we're also going to take a peek into what i'm planning and as you guys know who are active listeners some of you may have gathered Kim C has a terrible habit of making book plans. I I think this has happened so many times where I've 100% said, okay, this is the next book. And then I got sidetracked by a different King work. I got tempted by friends to read something else and completely veered in the other direction. So I think going forward, it might be wise to not call them plans, but potentials. So we're going to go over some potentials I have for later on this year. But I thought it would be a lot of fun if today I could hearken you back to memory lane and we could explore in greater detail the motivations that began this podcast endeavor because 
I, I, I was thinking, you know, when I look at the past few years on how we got here, you know, it was kind of very much destiny, I think. Um, really, really quite serendipitous and um, serendipitous and yet meant to be. So more on that in a bit. Um, but as you may have guessed, I am a level five in the red, 100% sold out constant reader and passionate King fan. And without, within these last five years or so, I have just noticed how the love continues to grow. It has continued to blossom to the point where in the last couple years I would read a King book and after I was finished all I wanted to do was talk about it. I just found myself making notes and bullet points and researching online and all I wanted to do was break it down like the assigned writings I give my students. I just wanted more. I wanted to spend more time in the novel even after it was finished. And what made this even more challenging and perhaps fanned the flames of desire is that I had a few gal pals who we always get together and chat books, especially after a few glasses of wine. But when it came to my turn to put King in the spotlight and just gush over him, I noticed that the people in my immediate corner would kind of shrink back a little bit and suddenly they started playing on their phone or fading or yawning and their interest would wane pretty quickly and that made me curious because I just was all of a sudden completely in the realization that there's this blockage there, this this unwilling sort of separation between seeing King as an amazing prolific writer and I couldn't yet chisel through there in terms of getting a extremely intelligent literary academic friends of mine to view King as someone who is in the same literary caliber as other fiction voices they were reading. So I know that in episode one, that, <laughs> that very clunky, janky first episode, as they all are, uh, for you podcast listeners out there, you know the first episode is always like the first pancake. It's very messy and you end up just wanting to throw it out. Um, I tried to kind of illustrate that um, in the first episode, but uh, there's definitely more to say there in terms of what allowed the path for Kimsey to arrive at a Stephen King podcast with more literary meat attached to it. But another component, component I know for a fact I didn't get a chance to mention in the first episode almost one year ago is that not only um, in addition to being a fiction teacher, I was also the acting co-founder and president of a classic themed book club which operated in 
person. Remember those good old days where you could actually meet and be in the same room with more than four people? Um, but the participants would gather with myself and other book reading fans who really wanted to roll up their sleeves and do some work because in our book club, we were reading titles like Anna Karenina and The House of Mirth and Fahrenheit 451, The Portrait of Dorian Gray, um, Jane Eyre, basically the majority of the selections in our book club were the classic titles we always hear about. Uh, we also had a couple new fiction authors that were being celebrated, we're getting a lot of press buzz, but for the majority, the club was composed of titles we either read in school or should have read in school. And when it came to discussing the book, I would ask fun questions, I would give a little background history on the author, the time period it was written, um, but I was always bringing a little bit of academia to the table and creating a discussion, providing some literary analysis, much like I would do in my classes, my creative writing classes that I instruct. So that club, my book club, operated from 2015, I think until 2017, before my schedule got too busy and I couldn't sustain it. But I met so many wonderful book fans over those few years. I absolutely loved it. I had a lot of fun. I learned a ton. Um, but even though the people were great and I, you know, absolutely enjoyed for the most part the books we read, some of those books were awful and sucked and were not fun. And though I got a lot out of them as an academic, it was very, very hard, my guys, to give my time and attention to those dense and dry classics written by people, some of them I would never ever want to hang out with in public. But, you know, the subjects were grim, the writing was dour, and oftentimes the entire subject, the entire process of slogging through these works sucked the life right out of me. And I just remember slogging through on the road. I'm sorry, Jack Kerouac, I could give two shits about your novel. Like, I hated it. And I hate Hemingway with The Fire of a Thousand Suns. I, of course, will give credit where credit is due for writing style and the things that he does well. And of course, the short story Hills Like White Elephants is quite legendary. Yes, I will give credit where credit is due. But you know, a couple others that I just loathed, Catch-22, which I know many people love, I just couldn't get into it. There's a few others that I can't remember at the moment, but they just did nothing for me, my friends. And. What I found myself doing as I'm working my way through these books, forcing myself to get through them because I'm the president of the book club and I have to read this book, but I would look lovingly over at my shelf of Stephen King hardbacks and I would just stare at them in uh, in, in longing in, in this forlorn want and think to myself, oh, I wish I could be with you. I wish I could be discussing you and analyzing you. And so even then, when I wasn't with Steven, when I was with other books, 
I was always dreaming of being with Steve titles and analyzing them to an audience the way I was talking about the classics for book club. The book club things I was doing, I wanted to be doing those things with Steve's books. And one day, I think this was toward the latter end of the book club, when I was still president before I stepped down and handed it off, I said to myself, that's it. Uh, that's it. I'm sick of these I'm sick of these dry novels. I'm done. I can't. This is my club, damn it. And we're gonna ring, read a King title. We're just gonna do it. And I grabbed 112263 because it was getting a lot of buzz at that time. And my father had just binged read the whole thing in a matter of a week. He just came home every day and read and read and read until bedtime. And it's always nice when you like see people in your family enjoying a book or enjoying a hobby. And I he loved it. He adored every second and was gushing about it. And um, I was mega curious and wanted to give it a go. So the book club and I took about a month to read 112263. And oh my god, I love that novel so much. It's incredible. Um, please read it if you haven't. But I was even more pleased by the people who attended the meetup for that novel because one of them was an older lady. Uh, she was a wonderful devotee of the club, a definite constant member, and she was a very young child when Kennedy was assassinated, and it was an awesome discussion. It was incredibly enlightening, but even more so, with 112263, something I was happy to realize was that all of the club readers were so shocked that it was a Stephen King novel because they had absolutely, like so many others, written him off as just a genre horror author who wrote about vampires and wild dogs and scary books that only teenagers thumb through and not serious scholars. And they were all so surprised at the level of research that was present in that novel, the amount of beautiful storytelling, a compelling and believable romance. And that's when I understood. That was the moment, guys, that I think there are many people who might have this reaction to King if they give him a chance. And I was so thrilled that as we were discussing 112263, so many of them uh, willfully admitted that they were eating their own words a little bit with their first bratty bad-mouthing of King as being an author they assumed they just knew all about. They just assumed the connotation with horror was all there was, and they either balked at it, completely uninterested in horror or genre fiction, uh, they're just completely uninterested in reading anything scary, or the opposite end of that, they were actually really scared, and they were intimidated by King and did not want to read anything that was going to frighten them, so they stayed away. So I think we read 11.22 toward the tail end of 2017, and oh gosh guys, I just treasure it so much because not only is it an amazing novel, it was such an enlightening novel experience for me because I witnessed firsthand how eyes could be opened to brand new readers of King, and that was an amazing 
event to behold that they would able to open up a King novel that completely surprised them and nourished them much more than they realized. And I think nourished is the appropriate word because sometimes the King experience, for those of us who have spent a lot of time with his works, it is like sitting down to a really good meal and you walk away feeling incredibly satisfied and incredibly enriched and fulfilled and I don't think a lot of them were expecting that. So uh, that was an amazing novel that I was so glad we read inside the book club because it really planted the seed for me of, you know what? There are brand new King readers out there that are going to be surprised that once you give King a chance, once you lay down all preconceived notions, especially if you're a reader, and if you've never given him a chance before, you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Let's fast forward to 2018 and 2019, um, and by that point, my work schedule was bananas, and I relinquished the book club. I stepped down as president and handed it over to the members, so I think it is still operating around the city. Uh, they're still hanging out, still reading some titles, which I'm thrilled for them, and then I just kind of uh, sunk into the shadows and went back to enjoying King novels on my own and not really having an outlet for them other than King Podcasts, of which, thank goodness for the wonderful array of Stephen King podcasts we have out there because, oh, swoon, there is nothing like finishing a title that you've invested some time and effort into and you have a total book hangover and you want to hear someone talk about this novel that you've just experienced, the characters, some of the plot arcs and the big reveals and... I'm just so incredibly grateful for all the creators out there who shared their thoughts on these King titles because it meant the world to me to have that outlet. It just really uh, was such, such a fertile soil to my hungry heart. And finally, the year 2020, the, the beast no one saw coming that reared its evil skull head and stared us all down. And suddenly, for the first time ever in my life, I found myself thinking quite a bit about all the things, life things, goals, passions, projects, unfulfilled desires, all the things. And I realized that a lot of the podcasts out there that I loved the ones that were covering King, some of them didn't leave me feeling overall very satisfied in certain areas. I liked them oh so very much, love them in fact, but there was, for the most part, there's a lot of joking around, a lot of wonderful tomfoolery, and all that's great. But I got to a place in my King journey where I wanted to talk about these novels, guys. I wanted to look at them the way I look at works in a school setting, as a student, as well as an instructor. I was hungry for direct quotes and close reading and really in-depth examinations of these, these titles, and in my hunt, I just wasn't really finding it to the degree that would satiate my hunger. Ergo, needs must, as the Brits say. I 
think they say, <laughs> at least I think they say, needs must. I've always heard that to be uh, a UK expression. Please forgive me if I got that wrong. But uh, yeah, needs must, guys. And I just decided, you know what? I love these stories. I love King as a storyteller. And even if zero people listen to this, even if no one, absolutely no one hears my thoughts, I still want to do it. And that to me was the green light I needed to just go for it. And as you can hear in those first clunky episodes, there's a lot of just going for it, which I, in retrospect, absolutely cringe at my beginning baby steps. But you know what? It's okay. It's okay, folks. Don't let it stop you. If you want to sing, sing. If you want to play, play. Yes, you may not know what you're doing. And yes, you may fall flat on your face. But at least you're trying and learning and growing. And yeah, just do it. Life's too short, just go for it. So I started putting my voice out into the void and in those first few months, I surprised myself because my friends, we got a lot done. Phew, I was churning them out. And in retrospect, I think I may have gone a little too fast on the early titles, but that's okay uh, because we can always revisit those titles with additional thoughts I may add or didn't get to articulate at the time. But I'm really proud of the work we've put forth and the novels we explored because many of them were very first time reads for me. And a good chunk of them were second time reads for me, which, oh, what a joy that is. Oh man, I discovered the arena of the glorious reread and some of them, I must say, Joyland, Revival, Lisey Story, Duma Key, The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon, these titles are some that I see myself always loving to return. Um, they, those titles to me are like friends you could just pick up right where you left off. Absolutely awesome in their return value, let me tell you. I know a couple of them, you know, might not, they're definitely underrated works in my opinion, so they might not be on your radar, but oh my gosh, they are definitely on Kim C's radar. So, I actually, in future, may give Under the Dome a second go because at present, listeners, for those of you who have heard of previous episodes, Big Jim Runny still has the crown for my most hated all-human villain, so he's a non-supernatural villain. He has yet to be knocked off the throne, so we'll see in time if he's able to maintain that top spot. I am not sure what the future holds for Big Jim Runny, but there's a lot I could re-explore for a second time and see how it fares in the future. But when I look back, we cranked out a lot of titles and this is the part of the anniversary episode where I'm asking you, dear listener, to maybe share some of your coins into the wishing well. So one thing I think I may have announced somewhere toward the uh, latter end of last year 
is slowing down a bit in terms of output. So last year, my quarantine, when it ended, my teaching schedule ramped up and all of a sudden I noticed I was talking a lot more. My blabbing time increased exponentially. So a few things started to happen in terms of requiring more and more time to put out episodes, which I'm okay with. I am a person who values quality over quantity, but I know there are many shows out there, ones that we love that are week by week like clockwork and God bless them for staying on that schedule. And this little engine that could will of course continue doing her best to keep up, but I have noticed I'm going to require a little bit more time in order for the analyses to be as quality as I can get them. And for me to flesh out all my thoughts on a title in an organized way, I sometimes need to take that few extra days over the deadlines I have in place. Ergo, going forward, we're going to try to aim for two titles every month and no matter what, a definite minimum episode of two episodes per month. So no matter what they are, we're going to just try and keep that golden promise and work hard to get at minimum two episodes every month, no matter what. Um, but that is, of course, under the umbrella of my regular repertoire, which is literary analysis-laden episodes, where we go over the novel from stem to stern as best as we can, um, as well as constant reader interviews, because I really like those. They're really fun, and I love connecting with King fans and other constant readers. So very, very important to maintain those. And then I'm also passionate about TV and film, as we all are. So there's always a few TV programs that I want to catch up on. Um, but I guess my question to all of you listening is if you all have any specific requests of the show you would like to put forth. Is there something you're hungry for that you think would be a good addition to this podcast? Would you like more interviews? Oh, are more fun questions needed? Perhaps more conventional King titles to mix things up a bit? Uh, bottom line, this is the opportunity to put forth a request of what you would like to hear more of on the year of underrated Stephen King. What you would like more of, what you would like less of for that matter. If my intros are too long, that's something I've thought about myself, so let me know. But if you like the text examples, if you think they're a bit too long, not long enough, if there's anything you would like more or less of, or rather something new altogether, I am open. So this is the time to submit your request to the show. Any uh, opportunity you get at our email address, underratedsk at gmail. You can also visit us on the social media outlets at underratedskpod. So feel free to submit your thoughts and requests as I'm happy to accept them, mull them over, and continue allowing this podcast to grow, change, expand, all the while still providing the meaty literary content of examining these novels for what they give us in terms of reader experience and hopefully an examination of a potentially prolific fiction story 
and overall incredible creative writing from the world's best because if you're listening to this show you know i'm in agreement that stephen king is the greatest fictional voice the world has ever known and may we ever celebrate his novels from here to eternity so when it comes to the future, I wanted to give some extra special deets on what I have potentially lined up in terms of podcast coverage. Let's check it out in the next section. Hi everyone, thank you for hanging out with us as we continue to celebrate the one year anniversary of the year of underrated Stephen King. I am so thrilled and proud to be with you here today, uh, one year, one trip around the sun. So very exciting. And right now we're going to talk about some of the upcoming subjects, novels, topics, TV series that we can all look forward to as the podcast continues to trek along. So the first one I want to drop on all of your laps is pretty fresh, pretty hot off the presses as just last week we had a pretty terrific Vanity Fair article drop with some ultra exclusive set photos from the new limited series Lisey's Story. The 2006 novel adaptation is going to premiere on June 4th on Apple TV. Uh, it's happening. It's real. And guys, I'm so, so, so excited about this one. That novel, oh my gosh, jump back to the episode if you'd like to hear my coverage on Lisey's story. I think most definitely I'm going to have to do more coverage on Lisey's story because the more I think about that novel and all the nuance, I don't even think I scratched the surface with my original episode. So that is a novel I talk about all the time. I find myself talking about it all the time because it is so rich and wacky and nutballs and complex and oh, and there's so much to talk about it. So we have an all-star cast. Julianne Moore is playing main character Lisey Landon. Scott Landon is played by Clive Owen. British actor who I used to have a huge crush on back in the day, only for a spell, but it was palpable nonetheless. And then we also have a super creepy Jim Dooley, who is our obsessed fan, who is the villain of the story. We have several villains in Lisey's story, but he's one of the main ones in the foreground. We have several in the background, that's for darn sure. But that is played by actor, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Dane DeHaan, who, uh, you know, the actors that kind of just have that sinister look on lock. You know, your Willem Dafoe's, your ultra interesting looking gentlemen who just look like they're up to no good. This guy's one of them. Mr. Dane DeHaan has has a face of somebody potentially sinister, but here's the thing with Lacey's story, guys. This is the reason why I am salivating absolutely completely beside myself with excitement. This one's going to be very different because Mr. King wrote the screenplay for all, or teleplay I should say, wrote the teleplay for all eight episodes. All of them. He wrote the whole thing, guys. That is so huge. And there is talk of deviation from the novel, which 
I was not expecting, which means potentially we are more than likely to get novel 2.0 or bonus content, which is what we did get in this Stand 2020 series on CBS All Access. King rewrote the coda for Franny, which I really liked actually. Um, but yeah, bonus content or a deviation from the novel, a continuation of the novel, and for a novel as batshit insane as Lisey's story is, guys, I need more. I really, really need more. I oh, Over the years, I find myself um, growing more and more in love uh, with the wacky weirdness of Lisey's story. So I am... My plan for Lisey's story is to do a breakdown of all the things. I don't know if I'm going to do an episode by episode breakdown. We will see if that's what we do. Only because I... I don't know. I, I kind of like doing a first episode, last episode, all things in between. So if you guys are hungry for episode by episode coverage, let me know. I will consider it. Um, but I'm also hoping to do sort of a month 30 day countdown. So around May 4th, uh, I'll do an episode to kind of encourage everybody to read Lisey's story as you will have exactly one month before the limited series premieres. And I fear for some, this will be a challenge to get it done in that amount of time simply because Lisey's story is a king title many many people have struggled with over the years this is one that has been shelved quite a bit for being hard to get into as well as incredibly complex all of the above are true this one definitely I don't think I would have finished it or made it through in a timely manner if I was not reading it with the audiobook accompanying. So Mare Winningham is the narrator. She's a tremendous actress. She brings the book to life in an extraordinary way. So please consider using the audiobook in tandem with the physical copy. It's a great way to get through it. But Lisey's story is a weird one, guys. It's the most unique Stephen King novel I've read thus far. I've also heard wacky things about Tommyknockers, so I'll, hopefully I'll can do a nice compare and contrast coming up, but the chapter titles within Lisey's story are bizarre. The language used within the novel is off the wall, but I tell you, I'm standing by it. The reward of this novel keeps giving and giving, and with its strangeness and confusing parts and ambiguity and magical realism, and the fact that this is what King calls a novel, well, he, he says this novel is rather close to his heart. Um, it's the quote that we all kind of toss around, constant readers, mostly in shock. He considers it his best written book, which is a very, very loaded sentence. Um, but this is pretty close to the chest, especially when you read it. It's inspired by long marriages, happy marriages, and King has been happily married to wife Tabitha King for a really long time, a lot longer than some of us have been alive. Uh, so the fact that inside this wacky weird novel we have deep, deep, heavy gold bricks of saying goodbye uh, letting go, uh, examining the afterlife, 
examining the secret world between married couples, long married couples. Um, yeah, so <laughs> if you haven't heard my coverage on Lisey's story, uh, give me a little bit of slack. It was early in the podcast. It's a little bumpy, but I do think the content is still good. And like I mentioned earlier, I'm definitely am salivating to do more coverage and more work on Lacey's story because, oh my God, guys, every time I think about it, it's just a real juggernaut beast of a work. And more of us need to read it, more of us need to discuss it, so more Lisey story coverage will be on the way, especially with the TV show coming. I'm excited. I'm so thrilled. I love this novel, guys. It's weird and dark and confusing, and I really want to talk about it with more of you. So if you're a constant reader out there who has shelved it or hasn't even cracked it open because you're too busy with Roland and the gang or other King characters, let's roll up our sleeves for the senior class pick because this one is Olympic level King reading, guys. Once more, do not capital N-O-T, give it to first-time King readers. Do not. No, 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 no. This is not for them. This is for, <laughs> this is for the big leagues. So let's do it together. Let's crack it open. Let's do it. More Lisey Starry talk is on the way in about the next month or so. You can promise I'm going to be doing some episode coverage because I am dang excited. So that is going to be one of the first things you should see uh, upcoming here in the spring is Lisey Starry coverage as well as a 30-day countdown to hopefully read the novel for a second time, a fourth time, a first time, whatever time it is. Let's read Lisey Starry once more. Okay. Another area I'm going to explore a little bit later on in the podcast, not exactly sure when, is of course season three of Mr. Mercedes on the Peacock streaming network. So if you guys are not familiar, Mr. Mercedes as well as Finders Keepers and End of Watch are a three series collection that highlights one two characters actually. Mo mainly Detective Bill Hodges. These three novels are often referred to as the Bill Hodges Trilogy, and coincidentally we happen to have a sort of stowaway character who steals the show, and that's assistant slash detective in training Holly Gibney. So constant readers have a lot of thoughts about these books because they are a pretty big deviation from King's normal repertoire. They are detective novels, they are crime novels, uh, and I'm happy to report that the majority of us are frequent readers and those who of us who have completed the Bill Hodges trilogy are in agreement that the second novel in the trilogy Finders Keepers is pretty badass and definitely deserves a bit more spotlight in terms of novel coverage alone because this one has some literary meat, guys. There's some real beautiful prose going on in there. There's a really beautiful character examination in terms of the king trope we love to examine and that is that of the obsessed fan. We have another obsessed fan in Finders Keepers by the name of Morris Bellamy as well as, well as a hero or a literary hero he continues to chase after named Jimmy Gold so there's lots of foils going on but I really really liked jumping to the TV series seasons one and two of Mr. Mercedes the actual television show that originally premiered on the 
Audience Network, which is an AT&T company, but main actor, Irish actor Brendan Gleeson is extraordinary. He portrays Detective Bill Hodges. I am so smitten. Love him so much. And I actually adore all the casting. All the cast members are truly great. I'm loving the show. But I haven't been able to watch season three yet. Uh, it took a while to finally get connected. And now that it's there, it's, yes, season three has to happen. Um, and also, I know all these numbers I'm throwing out there. So seasons one and two of the show are actually the first and third novels. So the show went a little bit out of order. So season three is actually um, book two, Finders Keepers. Mr. Mercedes and End of Watch are the first two seasons. And then of course, Finders Keepers season three. So also not to, <laughs> I'm always mentioning Lisey's story, but once more, we've got the Morris Bellamy obsessed fan, very similar to the villain we're going to be encountering in Lisey's story, Jim Dooley. So there might be some nice parallels there, but we're going to do some TV viewing coming up and some chatting about what's going well with the Finders Keepers season three of Mr. Mercedes show coming up later on this year. And I might need to do a reread of Finders Keepers. I believe I only read it once. It was my favorite one of the Bill Hodges trilogy. And I do think it deserves a little bit more spotlight because it stands apart. The first and third books have the same villain, which is Brady Hartsfield. And then the second installment of Mr. Mercedes is a completely different wildcard villain there with Morris Bellamy, Jimmy Gold, another famous author, uh, Lost Money, Lost Suitcase, and then once more Detective Bill Hodges and Jerome, Holly Gibney, the gang from the now newly minted detective agency called Finders Keepers. So more on that might have to do some novel to accompany the series. We'll see. Uh, and then our third sort of item coming up this year, hopefully soon, is if you've been living under a rock, you might not have heard, you might not be aware that King is releasing not one but two novels this year because he's the best and never stops sharing his brilliant literary love with all of us. So we have another hard case crime novel called Later, which is... Um, the latest addition to the Hard Case Crime family. It just dropped in March, and I am so excited to crack that one open as I'm a super fan, super fan of both, both of the Hard Case Crime titles previously attached. Joyland was released in 2013, 2014-ish, and then The Colorado Kid in 2005. In my opinion, none of those are celebrated enough, and I love the Hard Case Crime releases. I have episodes for both of those novels, so jump back if you haven't heard the coverage on those. But we're going to take a look at later coming up this year, so that's an interesting way to, to phrase that sentence. The novel later we are going to crack open this summer most definitely, as well as the additional King title, 
Billy Summers that's going to be released in August, early August, I believe. So absolutely thrilled there. We do, it sounds like Billy Summers is about a hitman. So we might have, I haven't read the exact synopsis. I've been keeping it, I've been saving it um, and uh, keeping it my mind blank. I don't want to have any preconceived notions about it. So I haven't read the full novel synopsis from Billy Summers, but I do believe it is about a hitman. So potentially we are seeing an ongoing trend of King with a crime fiction helmet on and I'm okay with it. Some other constant readers out there aren't so okay with it. Uh, and that's fine. We can talk about that, but we're definitely going to do later, sooner rather than later, lol. And then we'll talk about Billy Summers perhaps as our fall pick uh, once it drops in early August. So those are the king, the brand new king titles that I would like to take a look at this year. Later is not very long at all. I think it's probably under 300 pages, if not a little over. So I should be able to get that done and get that coverage for all of us, for all of you who have read it. So coming up in hopefully summer, early fall, later, as well as Billy Summers. And then number four, the next full King analysis title coming up will of course be the number two novel in the Dark Tower journey, which is Drawing of the Three. So I'm currently in the middle of that one. I am making notes. I am getting a little excited. I'm very intrigued. I'm creating a little nook of investment for myself. So I'm expecting to have a nice investigation of that title coming up in the next couple weeks. And since I recently explored 1987's Misery, Drawing of the Three, coincidentally, was written right around that time, in addition to the Tommyknockers. So I kind of got serendipitously inspired and curious if maybe I should do a kind of 1987 trio novel investigation, which these last three were supposedly the final substance abuse novels in King's long body of work. So what do you guys think about that? I am mulling it over. So these novels were the final three before, according to King, his sobriety was engaged in. Like he basically drew the line and was like, all right, I'm moving forward with my life in sober living. So I think it could be something. I would like to maybe take a look at Drawing of the Three, the Tommy <laughs> whatever I tried to say just there, I have no idea. The Tommy Knockers. And, and we recently did uh, a pretty thorough, hopefully thorough, it felt pretty thorough, it's most definitely long. We did a pretty long investigation of Misery. So Misery sort of kicked us off on the substance abuse novels. And then um, Tommy Knockers, I would like to take a look at, and Drawing of the Three. And those are our final three before King Got Sober. So I am thinking about it, guys. I think it just coincidentally happened where they all sort of we're in line together and in my line of sight, so I would like to take a look at Tommy Knockers, especially um, because uh, many argue it's just a hot mess, and I would like to take a look at where it maybe could have been edited down and salvaged and fixed, because uh, many King readers also think that there is some really good stuff in there and that it could stand on its own if it was perhaps heavily edited. So that one's going to be a lot of fun. So the goal is next 
in the next immediate literary analysis investigation should be Drawing of the Three, my second Dark Tower novel. I have never ever read it before, so keep an eye out for that one. So all you Dark Tower fans, be very gentle with me. I'm very, very new with all things concerning Roland and the, the people who are uh, coming into this story. So I'm eager to learn more and listen to more coverage so I can have a richer exploration of the Dark Tower universe, but book two is currently on uh, my nightstand and I'm making my way through. And then after that, I think I would like to do an examination of the Tommyknockers and do a kind of three novel comparison of the final last sober novels for King. And then, of course, if you are a fan of the podcast, you know I love, love, love my novella collections. I do, I do. And so I would like to plug right in to the my love of Stephen King novellas and tackle For Past Midnight as the next beefy stack to thinly slice up for listeners. And uh, then, of course, I will plan on continuing my Dark Tower journey as well as tackling whatever pops up and sounds good in terms of underrated king. But the next novella collection is most definitely going to be For Past Midnight as I believe there's a character called Pop Merrill inside of Four Past Midnight that I would like to spend some time with. But uh, so everything that I've mentioned thus far is what I have planned. <laughs> but um, this is my plans are always very malleable. And so I would love to hear your suggestions. If you guys have any novel requests that you feel should be bumped up this year uh, that you would like some definite coverage on. My other goal is to also have needful things on the menu for November because I think that sounds like the ultimate commercial tale when uh, shopping tends to ramp up. So needful things is another one I have never read before. I have always been so intrigued by the premise. It is a favorite for a lot of people, um, especially Chris, uh, my friend from New South Wales, who was a guest on the podcast recently. Apparently that is his go-to novel for getting signed by King. So that's definitely on the bill this year. Although, once more, I should just be cautious with saying most definitely on the bill, knowing myself. But overall, those are a few of my ideas, guys. That's what I'm cooking up in my stew pot. And here's, those are a few sneak peek previews into my mind in terms of what I would like to present to all of you coming up on this new year of the year of underrated Stephen King podcast. So that's what I'm cooking in the stew pot and I really hope you enjoy it. But if it doesn't sound ultimately like the most compelling menu, I am open to suggestion. So please write into the show. Uh, let me know if you've just finished a King novel that you really want some coverage on and I'll see what I could do. I'll see if that sounds like one I want to tackle at this time. If you have an underrated King pick that you just really, really want investigated, I am in the zone of consideration. But 
Overall, as we wind down, I just want to let all of you know I am still having fun. I'm still having fun with this podcast. And for those of you who are podcasters out there, you know this is a little bit of a labor of love. It does take a little bit of blood, sweat, and tears sometimes. Um, what One of the great lessons I've learned thus far in the podcasting uh, realm is that if you're tired, if you're physically a little bit uh, running low on gas or petrol, you just, uh, you're going to sound like it in the recording because there's a couple episodes. I think one is um, my coverage on everything's eventual. I just sound like I'm dragging ass. It sounds like I ran a marathon and I'm just completely out of gas and I really wish I would have taken a nap and then recorded. So uh, a word of advice to any of you podcasters out there before you record, make sure you're a little rest. You'll just sound better in the end and you'll thank yourself later. But I am still having a lot of fun. I know that I'm not going to be able to crack them out as fast as I did earlier in the podcast. So we will see. Um, I'm not going to make a goal of any episode count this year. We're just going to keep this train moving because... I want it to keep going and I'm excited and it makes me happy. And of course, there are more King works to read and discuss, more friends to make, more experiences to be had. And I would of course like to quote a Robert Frost poem. This is from the poem Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. And one of my favorite lines that I feel sums up my heart and my heart's effort into this podcast is the woods are lovely dark and deep but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep miles to go before I sleep and uh, that's how I feel folks there are still miles to go so whether you are here or not I'm gonna do this little podcast thing because it uh, you know it's, it's making me smile, and uh, it would be so much better if you were here, dear listener. So if you are a fan of the show, it would be the most wonderful, giant, one-year anniversary favor to me and my heart if you would please share this show with a friend. That would mean the world to me. Thank you so, so much. If you could share the year of underrated Stephen King with a reader in your life, with somebody who is a Stephen King fan, with someone who might not have heard of us as we're just this secret little baby in the darkened shelves of all the Stephen King podcasts out there, of which there are many extraordinary shows to listen to. But if you have somebody who likes school and likes a little bit more meat when discussing a novel they enjoy, I'm your girl. So if you haven't already, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give the show a five-star review. And if you're feeling up to it, I would adore it if you would say something nice about the show. I would love that with all of my heart. Um, So whether or not you are a passionate podcast fan or somebody who makes podcasts themselves or somebody who just clicked on us for the first time, it would mean the world if you could share the show with a constant reader friend or a non-king reader friend to see if they might find something they enjoy here. But once more, guys, I am so, so open to 
suggestions, recommendations, additional thoughts on any of the novels covered, uh, please write to the show at underratedsk at gmail.com with any novel suggestions, show enhancement, or subtraction suggestions, or any thoughts at all. And please say hello to us on Twitter and Instagram at underratedskpod, where we will be happy to hear from you at any time. We love King. We especially love Underrated King, and we love, love, love all of you. So as always, a giant hug to each and every one of you out there who have listened to the show, liked the show, who listen regularly, or have clicked on it only once. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You mean the world to me, and I so appreciate this time spent together with the world's greatest fiction maestro as our inspiration. So thank you guys to all who listen. Please share the show. Thank you for an amazing year. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.